Hello, Anu. Great to have you here for a conversation on the international development sector focusing on India. Delighted to be here, Nishant. Uh, looking forward to our discussion. And really, congratulations on the work you do. We really need people to amplify and talk about the social impact space. So, congratulations. Thank you, Anu. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate. It. Thank you, and thanks you know for featuring uh, as a guest speaker on the platform. Really appreciate that. Let me share a brief introduction. Anu Prasad is the founder and CEO of Inter India Leaders for Social Sector, a leading non-profit in India that builds and nurtures capacity and talent in India's social sector. Before setting up ILSS in 2017, Anu was the founding deputy dean of prestigious. Young India Fellowship and a founding member of the Ashoka University, the first liberal arts university in India. Prior to joining the social sector, Anu held leadership roles at multinational companies such as American Express and TNT. At MX, she led MX Global Financial reengineering to launch mx financial resource center in india at tnt she was the head of the finance for companies north india region an entrepreneur at heart anu was also also co-founded and managed a successful travel company she has also been a consultant for the dell foundation on its education projects anu is a avid reader an active volunteer in civic causes and a passionate believer in lifelong learning all of which she incorporates into the ILSS proposition of lifelong learning and values based leadership she also mentors young professionals and senior leaders and sits on the board of two non-profit organizations anu graduated from hr college mumbai and received her mba from imi new delhi India leaders for social sector is invigorating the development sector in India. It's a tailbreaker by and it's bringing in a fresh perspective through leadership development and capacity building programs. You set up uh, India leaders for social sector. So please do share with the audience your transformative journey as you channel channeled across various facets of life and work. Also do. In, in in the context of being a woman entrepreneur that becomes even much more special so you do share uh, how's your experience as a woman entrepreneur in the development sector thank you nishant that was a long uh, introduction uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, so yes i've had six career shifts in my lifetime and i and i really do think that's the that's the future of work uh, you know you know my father was in mahindra in mahindra all his life you know literally from sort of the first job to he retired from that that's no longer going to be the normal uh you know i was a co in the corporate sector i have been an entrepreneur i've been in the education space i'm now in the non-profit as a social enterprise i've been a stay-at-home mom for a couple of years and i think these are all important sort of career shifts that i've made uh, you know sheryl sandberg rightly said careers are a jungle gym not a ladder and i totally believe in that uh I think the thing that for me has been that's that you know in hindsight is 2020. So when you planning your career, you know you can always come look back and say oh I did this and I did that. But the truth is that I think for me um, that you know I always I always like to problem solve. Even at Amex we were a startup. I mean Amex is a global sort of multinational, but it was setting up their financial resource center. So it was like a 
a startup environment. We were doing something which eventually became the IT enabled services, the whole BPO. It was, you know, Amex was literally the pioneer because it brought all its financial services to three centers across the globe and we would sort of migrate work. So a lot of training, of course, that you learn in the corporate world, you put through change management, time management, build on your abilities. Those are things I really value. Amex was also a great company to work for. So, you know, understanding how an organization can be employee, fo employee focused. I think the thing that kept me going was just this tremendous curiosity, wanting to be a problem solver, learnability. I think number one rule, if you lose your learnability at some stage in your career, it, it, it's, it's, your, it's, it's a death knell. So really, uh, all these listeners on the podcast, I think what Nishant is doing is fantastic. You know, you must be an active listener. These are things that I learned along the way. At, as the dean at Ashoka, I was very popular. And I used to sometimes wonder that, you know, what is this? why why am I such a popular dean? I realized because I had an open door policy and students would come and talk to me. So, you know, these were things that I think have been important in building my career. Some of the things that I feel will help people uh, navigate multiple careers really is this whole not getting very hardwired, being open to learning, having a strong learnability, listening to podcasts, reading, uh, you know, uh, having the humility to sort of uh, ask questions. Uh, you know, those are things that I think worked well for me. I'm very entrepreneurial by nature. Uh, and uh, I encourage women, uh, more women. As a woman entrepreneur, Nishant, I, you know, it's not so much a woman entrepreneur as much as an entrepreneur who's also a woman. But uh, I think the main thing that I feel is the responsibility of being a sort of role model for other women. You know, women make only 20% of the working population in India. So the statistics uh, for India's women, you know, labor force participation has been shrinking, in fact. So I just feel like if there is a way to sort of amplify, uh, you know, the work women entrepreneurs are doing, encourage younger women, mentor them, that's, that's the role I see myself in. My team comprises largely a lot of women and they're fantastic. We've bootstrapped our organization. Uh, so I think I see myself more as someone who could provide sort of mentoring and guidance to younger women that, that you know, that, that begin their career or have challenges at different stages in their career, including maternity breaks and, you know, all the breaks that sometimes happen to, to us. Uh, so that's how I see myself as a woman entrepreneur, more as someone who can be a role model for other women to be entrepreneurs, to come back from work. Uh, I took a break and I came back and I can tell you it's very hard to come back to full-time work. So I want to talk to people that it can be done, you know. So You, you brought about a very good, you know, point specifically for women and I'll, I'll really love to, you know, get a more insight on that. Coming after a break is so difficult, specifically in India. Now it's pretty, you know, abroad people take sabbaticals, even at higher positions, it's very good. How would you as a woman, uh, you know, try to more talk about that particular aspect of things? Nishan, two things. One is the, that the policies, organizations need to bring women back. And I see some organizations do a great job of it. And I must say, Genpact is an organization that I feel is, and Tiger as, you know, Tiger Thyagrajan as the CEO, really, you know, there's a lot of women leadership. There's a lot of space for returning, they encourage returning mothers, you know, because there's a lot of self-doubt. You feel like I've left off, you know, will I be able to get the same role? Will I have to, my 
my peers have gone ahead where am i uh, but you know i i i i my my submission is come back even if you have to take two steps backwards to take four steps forward come back to work don't let these things matter like i said careers are a jungle gym they're not like linear so i think organizations have a responsibility for encouraging women to come back to work and i was really lucky you know when i was coming back to full time work at ashoka i mean ashoka was a startup at that point but there was a lot of sort of i had a lot of imposter syndrome i felt like oh my god i've you know i've been out of the workforce for a couple of years how's it going to be for me full time and i think there was a fantastic the founders were fantastic in sort of bringing you know encouraging me and bringing me back uh, so i would wish that for all the women that sit at home at ilss in fact uh, when we run our programs for the development sector we are always looking out for returning mothers to go and come and work in the social sector because we need talent here and you know and i think women who take a break really need to come back to work so uh, you mentioned a fantastic uh, point here and uh, now I'll, I'll take you you know you want women to come back and for that you have a wonderful program now you're doing something uh, very unique in india uh, there are people but you know you you come out with a very unique proposition i would say leadership program now that's the uh, flagship world class initiative of your non profit now i would love to quote uh, you know i love one of your uh, uh, lines which you in in one of the videos is ils has been designed as a bridge between senior corporate talent to repurpose their work now that's very interesting that's that's that somebody's talking that in india we, we, you know which shows that at least the mindset is changing in india and to attract talent into the dynamic and expanding social sector because social sector has become totally different now it's very dynamic you have evidence base you you have some of the best people now coming into social sector you go to business schools and one of the careers now today they would be saying is like i want to be in social sector now as a thought leader within the uh, india social sector and with your background uh, also within the higher education space please discuss how the ilss leadership program is positioned your cohort and uh, alumni to tackle challenges as a potential leaders in the ever changing social ecosystem no oh, absolutely thanks for asking this question nishant uh, you know ilss there are several things that led to the building of ilss flagship leadership program uh, one was as you rightly said you know i was at the young india fellowship program and this was in two, early 2011 12 uh, when i realized that this very bright young people that are going through the young india fellowship program are not not necessarily interested in a corporate job they wanted to be in politics they wanted to, they were really exploring public policy politics governance government and i was blown away because you know the first placement year i remember going to my cohort of you know smart 57 young men and women and saying hey i have this great opportunity from this fmcg company and they all looked at me like okay tell us where is you know and i realized okay the wind is changing so the good news is young people i mean in my generation you wanted to get into an mnc bank you know it was like career same with mine i mean just work in a bank become a doctor engineer just that's changing and that's wonderful so that was my first understanding of the development sector evolving you know teach for india had launched in 2010 suddenly the brightest people were taking two years off so i was seeing the trends uh, also at the young india fellowship we would see um, uh, we would give a internship opportunity to these youngsters and they would always choose to work in the social impact space uh, so i was starting to understand the space you know better 
The other thing, Nishant, for me was as the dean of this program, I used to sit in all the classes. I didn't have a liberal arts education. I did a BCom, uh, you know, which I decided, which I was made to decide at 16. I don't think I'm a BCom person at all, really. I should have been allowed to explore and then decide what I want to do. So I felt really badly that in, in India, lifelong learning doesn't exist. There's no concept of continuous lifelong learning. I mean, you can go into a business Eds, you know that you know whatever you call them those uh, those executive ed programs but you know really learning for the sake of learning is not there and I really enjoyed the classes I used to sit in my class my own classes on gender on sociological thinking and really enjoying it so I always wished that there was some program for people my age group that would go back to school at ILSS, really, we do, it's, as you know, it's for much older people, 10 years plus work experience. And mostly we get them at 20 years, 25 years average that come into class and sit and study. And they go through an understanding of India's social sector. But I think the way we designed it is the, the development sector, as you rightly said, is coming into a lot of funding. Uh, you know, that's the good news. CSR, billionaires, high net worth. It's evolving, it's growing. But India, till 10 years ago, and maybe even now, is a lot of small NGOs across the country. There are not too many big nonprofits, you know, like BRAC in Bangladesh is a 6,000 crore, biggest nonprofit in the world. India has only 100 crore NGOs, maybe in your handful. But how do you grow? You need skill sets to really build. Uh, build an organization. You can't. It can't be founder-driven. It has to be a leadership bench. So we thought, let's bring people who've already done that in the corporate world, who are feeling like something is missing in my life. You know, I have done banking, I have done FMCG, I've done sales, but yeah, I want to do something for my country. I don't know how to do it, and I can't wade through Daravi in a rolled-up jean. You know, I I can't do that. But can I do something which will leverage my skill sets? You know, I can't be maybe at the grassroots level and, you know, that's great too, but maybe I could do something. And so that's the birth of ILSS, that, you know, there was funding, there was a need for people with skill sets, governance, finance, technologies, you know, uh, communication, compliance. There are so many hiring, best practices, fundraising, sales. There's so many things that one can do in the development space to grow an organization that we could develop within young people, of course, through training, but also see if there are people who have that, who are willing to make that journey uh, here. So in a way, we designed it in the way that I would have liked somebody helping me when I was making that journey into the development sector. So, you know, what is it that we'd like to understand? So that's the genesis of this. And quite frankly, we've already moved so many. Uh, Tata Trust has very senior leadership, Piramal Foundation, Educate girls, you name it, and ILSS leadership is there already. So uh, that's you, a amazing. Yeah. Thing. Uh, I mean, I truly, I mean, because I can, uh, you know, personally resonate. At one point in time, when I was working with ICC Bank, and there this was rather going for a second MBA, there was a huge thing in me, like, how do I go into the social sector? Because I'd met somebody from Give India, and your program, you know, uh, I would say how it puts people from a different sector, another sector. And that is a great thing, you know, which is one thing which is lacking in India. If you go abroad, people do move careers and, yeah. you know, use a stepping stone to go into much wider, broader things. 
No, Nishant, absolutely. I have had senior people uh, call me and tell me we about this. They want to work in the social sector, but they say, Anu, we don't know what we don't know. Because quite frankly, the social and the private have worked in silos. You know, uh, in fact, Nishant, my husband's in the private sector. And when I started ILSS, I asked him a few questions like, uh, Sanjeev, do you know about so-and-so? I mean, Shaheen Misri, he knew. So I, you know, huge respect for Shaheen that she's like, known across sectors and industries but most of the seminal work that is happening in the development sector is a little bit not known uh, because people are too busy doing the work and nobody's busy talking about it but i just feel like uh, uh, you know uh, we help you understand and make an informed decision you know you have a skill set you come from experience how can you leverage it to be effective as a leader in the social sort of in the social sector is our aim through our leadership program. So, uh, and we've moved many, like I said, and we are very close to them. So we map their journey. Um, so that's our story with the leadership program. And that's the genesis of why we, you know, we started that program to begin with. Now, adding to what you're doing, uh, you have, you know, actors from a very diverse background who come into your program. Now, how do you uh, collage them? How do you structure their thought process, which is very for a common code within the social impact sector? Absolutely. So, Nishant, one of the things is that the program is, uh, you know, we do go through a process of selection. Uh, I'll be very candid. We do see, uh, you know, a, a short essay. We want to understand what they're thinking uh, because there are lots of myths and perceptions about the sector. Uh, some true, some not true. Uh, you know, that it's very unstructured, that it doesn't pay you anything at all uh, and stuff like that, which is maybe some extent may have been the case, but it's changing. So for us, even when we are speaking to people who apply in our program, we are looking for some things. Uh, we're looking for uh, curiosity, humility, listening. We're looking for a, not a very rigid mindset because you have to learn and unlearn and relearn. And that's the bottom line. So how open are you to unlearning and relearning, you know, and, and, you know, and, and what is the reason why you're coming? So, you know, some of that we do try to assess. Uh, I must say that we have more than 200 senior leaders who've gone through our program. We allow each and every one of them. Um, I think this whole learning journey is inward and outward because we do work on your inward journey. It's a big step moving this from your corporate world to the social is a, is a, in fact we always encourage families to support it because there is a haircut there is a lifestyle change it's going to happen the rewards of the work you do are tremendous the highs are very high but the lows are very low there's a lot of deep, you know things that can be slow with this we always talk about people who were in the national india's national freedom movement in the 20s and 30s never saw 19 may not have seen 1947 but were a part of a larger cause and that's the way you have to think of the social sector it's almost like a second sort of freedom movement in our mind it's an act of patriotism i'm always saying you may not see that poverty ends in india but you're working towards it and so it'll be a long drawn process you need a lot of patience and stuff but but the rewards are very high so we're looking for these things we keep emphasizing them through the journey of their learning uh, uh, and keep helping them through uh, even after the program 
we don't we don't uh, stop working with them through coaching and through mentoring we support their journey onwards because we we're not here to do a learning program we are here to move the best talent in the country into the development sector that's our real goal we are like brand ambassadors for the social sector we feel like everyone should be here each and everyone should be engaged <laughs> just to sort of you know add on now you have you said you have your own screening process you but do you sometimes feel that getting people from across very diverse backgrounds could be a bit tricky when you are taking have you observed that in your leadership programs just to you know uh, have an idea on that i mean uh, not tricky it's uh, ultimately all these people that are coming together as a cohort have the objective of exploring another area so they may be in different stages of readiness some may be really just exploring and some may be i want to move tomorrow okay so, you know we do have a spectrum of you know readiness to move or how much they're exploring but you know this is a common goal they come from very varied backgrounds sales technology you know how varied they can be including returning mothers you know we always try to bring some of them to armed forces bureaucrats really wide but people who have the goal of trying to understand the sector with the hope that they will contribute voluntarily you know or through advisory board or through full time transitions so i think that common goal keeps them happy to even know each other and learn from each other it's a it's a trusting group we create and they support each other even now i mean uh, i have now like i said i have 10 cohorts running more than 200 people they're really very supportive of each other's journey they become quite close and that's good we want them to be a network within a network so uh, so that's important for us yeah no uh, i know from your experience uh, do you see among the leadership talent in uh, social sector when you compare it with the global sector significantly specifically in advanced and uh, emerging uh, economies do you see any gaps and if those are gaps do you like to elaborate there are gaps in leadership talent across the globe nishan uh, it's a challenge everywhere but i think in different stages like if you have to map with the us uh, i'm sure that you know the us is a, is more evolved um, as a society than india is however i do also feel like uh, uh, you know and 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 things like fundraising in the us they you know i mean stanford has university has 500 people in their fundraising team uh, you know they raise billions of dollars and billions of 40 billion dollar endowment at harvard you know so they are very they've obviously elevated that whole development resource mobilization fundraising there's a lot to learn from them but i think the leadership uh, uh, is a struggle everywhere uh, uh, you know i do i do want to share that off late in the last few years there has been this new movement within foundations and within funders which is called pay what it takes philanthropy which is saying that you know you can you should fund for programs but you should also fund for overheads because that's where the salaries that's where the capacity building and all dry up because funders would usually only want the money to go to the end beneficiary but you know how are you going to sustain an organization if there's not enough funding for for overheads you know so i think that's changing and that's a very well and you know there's a bridge span report uh, uh, 
bunch of uh, found foundations in India have come together, AT Chandra and uh, it'll give foundation and they are saying we will do this pay what it takes philanthropy so we'll fund for capacity within the sector which is a very welcome move because that's when you can get you can pay better salaries you can pay for some capacity building some training i mean i at amex i got so much training almost every six weeks i was sent off on training i mean everyone was in the, so in the last decade of being in the social sector i've been for you know there's no budget for training really you know so I think these are really welcome moves because uh, that's when you'll attract you know, the best talent. You can invest in them in their learning and so on. So that's a welcome move. Is even the uh, uh, the pay scales are getting getting much better. They're getting aligned with uh, from the private sector. You know, right. right. Yes. And you really talk. That's, that's true. I mean, it's a haircut, but it's not like you're not bald. So maybe a sh like a shortish haircut, but it's fine. It's getting much better because who do feel like you need to pay people for talent, you know. So that's good. That's all good news. Now, uh, when we, you know, uh, talk about uh, the cap, I was just wanted to know how much do you think is because of uh, soft skills or uh, lack of investment in leadership development? That could be a factor specifically in India. A lot of emerging right? It's Absolutely. I mean, the fact that we exist, uh, you know, uh, as a capacity building organization and we are getting funded is a great move because uh, I do think that even when I started ILSS Nishant, the, I was told that one, uh, two out of three, if there are three corporate leaders who try to transition into the social sector, two will run back to the corporate world. So one will stay because they find it so overwhelming. They are not prepared. It's slow, frustrating, unstructured, not enough resources, etc. So it can be frustrating. Uh, so I do think that uh, you know this this thing that where people are saying we need to fund for talent, we need talent, recognizing that a founder alone can't do it. You know, how can you grow an organization as a single person? It's not humanly possible. You can grow it up to a point, but you need a leadership branch. If you have to create impact and grow and build sustainability, you need a leadership branch. So I think uh, uh, in the in India, it's you know we do spend a lot of time building those skills in our leaders, in our leaders, active listening. Uh, consensus building because it's not hierarchical right it's it's more democratic you can't uh, sort of you can't sit as a boss and dictate you have to take people along it's different in the sector people are here for their passion and commitment for the cause they're not here for a job it's a mission so the whole lens is different so we do train uh, in our in, in in our program we train people for these to highlight these skills also self-awareness, understanding yourself. What is your motivation? Because if you don't understand why you're there, you'll run away the first chance, you will feel frustrated. So we spend a couple of days actually you know, delving into what is, um, what is your motivation for doing this? What are the reasons? I think it's important, Nishan. And some of my alumni have told me that, you know, when we feel very frustrated, we go back to, why are we doing this? <laughs> and is that still hold true? And then we carry on. Because frustration to I guide. It's a tough and it's very complex. The good news about India and the bad news about India is that there's so many good news is there are so many opportunities to do good. Every street corner you can do some good, right? 
And the bad news is that there are so many opportunities to do good, right? Um, and there's so much to be done. So, so that's, that's true. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. Now we we talk about impact valuation. The the development sector is sort of moving towards evidence based. Now evidence based uh, method might not be used in uh, all the you know all the functions. But uh, as a leader, how do you think it's important now to have a, a good quantitative, uh, at least I would say aptitude, or at least a perspective to succeed in the development sector? So it's critical. Uh, it's I mean you know for so many reasons. I mean for fundraising. For scaling, if you if you can't measure your impact, how are you going to get more donors? It's absolutely critical. What I do feel is that uh, social sector leaders, and I remember I sit on two nonprofit boards as well. Uh, you know, if you don't get, if you don't have the quantitative skills, and you need to be smart about aligning yourself with people that can help you, uh, and uh, so. Uh, you know, even it's not just your uh, impact measurements and monitoring. Uh, it's also, uh, you know, budgets, your cash flow. Cash flow you know, it's so many things and that you need to understand and uh, sort of be on top of compliance, everything. So I think even people management. So I feel like uh, it's absolutely critical in this. And this, it's a competitive environment in that way. I mean, funding will go to the organizations that are doing seminal work, of course, but are also being able to report it. You know, if you're doing great work, but you have no way of sort of showcasing that, or it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. So you have to have to have it, whether you don't as a leader personally have it, you need to know the importance of having that. So you get a consultant, you figure it out. You know, there are lots of very, like, I feel like there are lots of very smart, um, financial sort of leaders in the corporate world who are willing to actually handhold a non-profit in this journey. So you could have that kind of mapping. You bring them in as a consultant to work with you pro bono, but help you with some of your sort of strategies. And so if you're a smart you know, social entrepreneur, you can figure out ways of getting this if you can't figure it out yourself or you struggle with it. But it's a non-negotiable, absolutely. And you think there's been a sort of a decisive paradigm shift in the last 10 years in this aspect? You've moved from charity to philanthropy. You know, philanthropy, I mean, I I have every six weeks, I have a detailed review with my funder. Detail. Uh, you know, in the past, people would write the check and then not be in touch for the whole year. You know, I, I hear that. I have not, in my time in the sector, I haven't seen that. But I believe in the past, you would get a check and largely you know you could then touch base with your donor whenever but i haven't seen that in my experience there are you know not monthly but every six weekly reviews you know that's the difference it's philanthropy there's a lot more of sort of evaluating uh, strategic guidance sort of handholding even so i think the sector is changing accountability you know, there's a need for building greater transparency. Greater transparency in the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the sector is getting CSR money, HNI money. Uh, you know, Mr. Premji's got $18 billion in. Published, he's done phenomenal work. I mean, he's but been. But it comes with this whole need to be transparent, to have clear sort of 
reportings and guidelines, etc. Absolutely. You know, you touched upon quite a few very important uh, aspects. But before, let's come to fundraising. And you have a, another fantastic program. You know, you're doing fundraising is, I think, one of the most important integral aspects, specifically for nonprofit during the early stage. So when you uh, do speak about uh, how, how how much needed, uh, you know, the fundraising program in our country, which is which does not have a very sound uh, ecosystem for either raising capital and, and the whole, it's not that efficient. How would uh, how does this program come in? And uh, also do touch about the tools within this learning program, you know, that enables multiple entities to go out there and succeed in their holistic endeavors. So Nishant, uh, fundraising, uh, you know, I saw it firsthand because when I was at Ashoka, uh, you know, early days uh, when Ashoka didn't even exist, it was an idea in the head of the founders. Ashoka came into existence in 2014, so it's not even been a decade uh, but before that, 2011 to 14, we were trying to raise funds, but it's a crowdfunded effort, right? Ashoka doesn't belong to any one person. It's many people who've put in money and that's how the university came into being. So I had a ringside view of what a smart group of people can do to raise funds uh, for a cause that otherwise seems so difficult. How do you set up a whole university with no big, Cor you know, big corpus uh, underneath. So a bunch of people putting in some money. And now Ashoka has in the last seven, six, seven, five years, uh, raised 1,500 crores. Aim is to raise 7,000 crores. So that was always there. But I saw it happen in 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 like three, five years. And and I and when I when I came into the development sector at ILSS, of course, one you know there are three, four very big pain points in this sector. And if the sector really has to become robust, uh, it needs to build talent, which is what we were trying to do through our leadership. But the other really big pain point is fundraising. Because if you see, like I told you, there are only a few hundred crore-sized organizations. Leave alone, you know, most are like five crores, two crores, one crore. You know, very, very, very small. And that's and 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 the other shock for me was how some organizations that have been around for like. 20 years, 30 years are still at a, you know, a modest budget of 25, 30 crores, you know, because quite frankly, nobody likes to fundraise, you know, founders do seminal work that they like to do the work they're doing. They have to fundraise and they will, but it's not something most people like to do, even globally. This is not, I was watching a TED talk once on fundraising and the lady who was speaking said, you know, fundraising is the other F word, you know, and that's true with, even with when we did our intense research, because every time we feel there's a problem, we don't just go out and fix for it. We ask about 100 people, is it really a problem? Are you really struggling with fundraising? We think it's a problem, but do you think it? And everybody said it's a problem. And so what we did was we realized that we need to showcase people who are really good at it. Uh, like Ashoka University, Ashish Dhawan and Venkat, these are two people who are driving fundraising at Ashoka. They're really good at it, right? If they've raised 1,500 to 3,000, you know, whatever the number is, in like, what, five, six years, it can be done, right? So we actually did a conference. We had, uh, you know, we called 20 leaders of the sector to speak about how they've fundraised. So Safina Hussain, who's done a phenomenal job of in less than a decade of building Educate Girls. She spoke about how she fundraises. 
um, you know, Atul Satija of Naj, phenomenal, you know, speak, you know, leader, Naj and Give India, just fantastic work. So we actually had people speak about how they fundraise and it was a sellout audience. So we realized, okay, this is something that people need to learn. We, what was really surprising was it was in the middle of COVID last year in August that we launched our program and we were like, oh my God, funding is drying up. All the funding is going into COVID relief. Who is going to sign up for this program at this point? But the program was sold out, uh, you know, because I think people in the middle of a crisis realize, you know what, we need to learn. And if we don't learn, we'll be, you know, we'll be sunk anyways. So let's make this investment because the idea is that, you know, you invest in learning so that you can grow 2x, 3x, 4x in the next like three to five years. So uh, that was, that is what uh, our fundraising program was. It's really best practices, tricks, database management. How do you do research? We really, you know, handhold this community through understanding what are the ways of getting international funding. How do you manage your donors? What are some of the best practices organizations do? The good news, Nishant, I must confess, is that the sector is very um, open to teaching. So, you know, one would think with fundraising, there would be this scarcity. This is my knowledge and I'm not going to share it because the next person will come and take away my share of the pie. But the truth is we have not even begun to touch the pie of philanthropy. If you just look at temples. Yeah, I mean, the amount of money, really. I'm very happy that you brought in that. I feel in India, people are not asking enough. And when Atul Satija says, pay till it hurts, uh, you know, give till it hurts, he says. I feel like we're not asking. In the US, you can go to an Ivy League college, Stanford, pay so much money for that education. And next month, they will ask you for a check. Next month, you graduate this month, next month as alumni, they'll be asking you for $100. You know, they are, they are elevated level of askers, you know. And in India, we don't ask. So for us, uh, the fundraising program was also just teaching you that, yeah, fundraising is essential. You don't like that job as a CEO, you hate it. You've got to do it. And got to do it, almost 60% of your work should be fundraising, you know. 30 to 60, let's say that, but literally saying it's it's that important. Um, so, and what are some of the things we do through the tools? Uh, you know, we've, I mean, it's the program is comprehensive. We do a lot of sort of, uh, you know, of course we have domain experts. We, you know, do a lot of sharing of, you know, tools, uh, research tools. Um, we have a lot of uh, stakeholder management kits. We share a lot of sort of tools for them to work with uh, through the, it's a long program. It's almost five, four, five, six months of work. There's a lot of peer work as well. Um, so, uh, and also we do map their success stories. So, you know, if people start raising funds after they have learned something, they actually come back and say, hey, we used that and we could raise this much money and then everyone celebrates. So uh, we definitely want people to start using all the sort of the tools that we share with them um, uh, and get back to us on how they, because for me, it's also reporting back to my donors that through the fundraising program, the participants could double, triple their, uh, their uh, annual sort of uh, um, ask or the annual uh, budgets. So we're very uh, excited to hear that.
So that's our story with the fundraising program. Yeah. I can identify a few things. I actually worked as a telephone caller in Michigan when I was in my OPT looking for a job. And I did myself a crowdfunding event for my startup. And uh, I'm, I'm planning to do another one. So you're, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. We're talking about new digital ways, which has come in, which has sort of changed it. Nobody could have thought of crowdfunding. Like you rightly said, America or Europe are, are so sophisticated, but China has done so good using crowdfunding as a unit. I mean, uh, they specifically in philanthropy, they've used it. And, you know, no, India is going in. And um, you're right. I mean, maybe the uh, the... There's a lot to be done, but at least philanthropy started rising in India. I think we lead in South Asia in ways, and there are a lot of events also being done. And when you look at the over your experience, uh, do you think there's been a slight mindset change for the positive? Now people are more giving, at least when you ask them, they are more giving. And has their attitude changed? Evolved? I think so. But I also feel like pandemic giving was, you know, there's every time there's a crisis, the giving does go up because people have a more. People have, yeah. But I think the asking has also gotten better. Uh, you know, because more sophisticated, much better. Please. I mean, more I, channels. Yeah, more more channels. You know, the milap, the keto. Um, you know, just everyday giving. Uh, even what Venkat Krishnan does, which is that uh, dan utsav. Uh, you know, just getting people into more into a giving mode. I see very young some of my students who must be must be working three five years are actively giving philanthropy. So I think this culture of giving is getting better. And I think uh, the, the, the sophistication of asking is getting better. So I think it's both. Uh, we've always given, I mean, historically, uh, also, there were philanthropists who funded our freedom movement. I mean, you know, and, and so we, and Gandhiji was a great fundraiser. If you read his story, he would say, not more than one rupee and not less than charana. That was his fundraising strategy. And he, that's how he sort of, I mean, there's no social media. How did he get the whole country together? Really, he had this fantastic sort of way of engaging with, uh, with the, you know, the, with the population. So um, I think that uh, it's definitely uh, evolved a lot. Uh, we need to keep the momentum going in, 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 because once the crisis ends, you know, people should not go back to, not feeling like they need to do more uh, and so i think it's on us as as the people from the development sector to keep that engagement going keep asking keep asking and you know maybe encouraging people to give till it hurts so Uh, you, know, you spoke about quite a few uh, things and before we come to the learning aspect I had a question which now I, I just forgot you know when you were talking about <laughs> I had something in my mind which came up uh, but we'll go to the now the education space because that's one of the most interesting you're, you're making a lot of changes there uh, that's right but yeah I was wanting to also just check uh, you know you talked about uh, fundraising how about uh, a lot of people now want also to be self-sustainable Non-profits are going to it. They become social entrepreneurs, uh, or you know, trying to get their own means of funding. You think that's uh, evolving in India as a very important aspect? And uh, yeah, evolving as in there is funding for social impact work, uh, work, or you know, as a self-sustaining organization wherein you you rely less on fundraising. 
uh, in the development sector, you do realize, but you want to be uh, making your own profits. You want to make your own. Uh, uh, Absolutely, like a so for-profit social enterprise. Yeah, for-profit. Absolutely. I think there are incubations and incubators now encouraging lots of social entrepreneurs. There are spaces that will fund you, at least seed fund you. ILSS is one. I mean, we were incubated at Central Square Foundation. And uh, and the aim is that eventually we, we do become a self-sustaining organization. I mean, we're not there as yet because we have ambitious plans, but it's an investment in the organization. Uh, so I, I absolutely, in fact, I wish there were more social entrepreneurs because there is there are organizations actually looking to help handhold them, incubate them and grow them. So, uh, yeah, there are huge opportunities now here to to start looking at building social for profit enterprises. Uh, and in fact, many nonprofits also have a hybrid model. Uh, they run a nonprofit, you know, for some of the work and then they also have a for profit, maybe consulting or some work that they do. Uh, to sort of build uh, sustainability. So there are different models uh, emerging and it's all good, all good news. So Anu, now you have a considerable experience in enabling social change and impact, not through quality education. You have a lot of experience. You, your startup actually got incubated by Center Square Foundation. Uh, that's a pioneer in felicitating quality education for the masses, for the uh, less uh, privileged or marginalized community of a society. Now, oh, you are trying to do a you know, top-down approach. You, you are putting up uh, the next generation of leaders within the social sector. You also had a rich experience you consulted for Dell Foundation. Now, how do you think that top-down approach, getting the next generation, is going to impact over the next, this is a forward-looking futuristic question, over the next, let's say, decade uh, or when you're looking at the sector? So um, we do have a, I mean, with the leadership program and getting senior talent from across the corporate world into the development world was really one of our programs, but we are very focused on building leadership within the social sector. So while we've got the fundraising program really aimed at like a two crore sized or a three crore sized NGO that has a very ambitious, smart, young leader and how do we make him a 20, 25 crore by teaching him how do you fundraise effectively? But we are also doing a lot of other capacity building for, uh, for the development sector. So I think that um, the, the very fact that there is a training available and there is an awareness even between funder, in funders that you need to help organizations not just through funding but through other support to help them grow uh, is a very good thing is a you know and many foundations are doing that they are actually supporting not just with money they're supporting with their advice their guidance uh, they're supporting by funding like a lot of uh, uh, foundations have funded their donors to come into our fundraising program because quite frankly if they learn how to fundraise their dependence on them might reduce it's always good right so I think that the, the shift is really people are not just giving money. They're also giving their expertise, their guidance and support or helping NGOs with other support. Because to scale, you need... Definitely an ecosystem. You're building an ecosystem. You need, yeah, you need that support. You can't do it otherwise. <clears throat> and so that recognition that this is the needs 
for an organization that's doing good work uh, is there. And so that's, you know, so so for ILSS, it's, uh, it's top down. Of course, we had, uh, first started with senior leaders and removing them. But I feel like after five, 10 years, we'll have a whole cadre of fantastic young leaders who have just come out of, uh, just from the development sector, you know, and, and so I feel very optimistic uh, about India's development sector. We have the smartest people solving for the most complex problems in the country today, mission driven, passionate, wonderful. That's why Nishan, I'm a very optimistic person because I daily meet them and they daily on a daily basis, they inspire me. And I find my program is deeply inspiring because these people get to meet them. You know, these corporate leaders get to meet these fantastic social sector leaders and they're like, wow, you know, this is so inspiring. It is inspiring. And I really love one of the, you know, insights that you gave is the the sort of budget of organizations is not very high. Like, right? I mean, you look at US, you, you had Gates Foundation coming up. You look at even China, Ethan Price is giving millions of dollars as a prize, right? Are we really thinking big? In this next 10 years, do you think there's going to be a lot of consolidation? There could be a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, Azim Premji is a legend. I have deep respect for him. But it's not just driven by one person or, you know, a couple of or 10 colleagues. Are we going to get that mindset of coming up with, with you know, organizations which are going to go all the way to billions of dollars? Are we looking at that potential for the next decade or so? I do see that it's already happening, Nishan. So we are seeing that in the way multi-stakeholder platforms are coming together. So I think the understanding that you have to come together and collaborate and to solve for some of the most complex problems at scale, you can't go it alone. So I think collaboration, multi-stakeholder platforms are already things that you're seeing happening. Uh, maybe COVID uh, expedited some of it <clears throat> or maybe it was always going to be there but this is a good news uh, you know why reinvent the wheel you know why not yeah. collaborate we're all after all we're all working for a larger good right we're all looking to end poverty or we're all looking to end inequality so what is the whole this is mine and that is yours let's come together that mind, abundance mindset we also see it in the fundraising program that you know this whole thing of there's more money out there so let's collaborate, let's exchange notes, let's understand best practices, and let's try to get more money. Let's tap into the Marwadi Samaj, let's tap into Rotary, let's tap into so many different fundings that people are not traditionally tapping, tapping into uh, to get more funding into the sector. So I think that's, that thinking is already there, and I think it's really welcome. Social exchange is coming in here. Things are happening. Let's hope so it gets consolidated. That's what would be the mantra maybe in the next decade. You talked about also we were you know we are all through going through a crisis, a pandemic crisis, it's very global. Uh, the education sector has evolved. You know the online uh, education sector as a medium has evolved. How do you think it's going to go forward in India? You know, uh, so first I'll tell you a little bit about what happened to us because we ran a residential program and uh, our leadership program it was in residence and we sat around waiting for this COVID to leave last year from april may june july august we realized it's not going in a hurry and we can't get people together especially senior people so even more sort of susceptible 
So we moved into a hybrid or a blended and now virtual model. And it's worked really well for us. We, you know, you have to use the right kind of sort of uh, learning tools and technology is really enabling. You can have breakout rooms, you can have discussion, you can do a lot of stuff. And it's been great. Uh, it was a shock for me because I like the classroom. I like spending time together in residential. There's a lot to learn outside of class. But this has been great for us personally. Uh, I also have global access now. So I have people from New York or wherever coming and speaking to me because I don't have to fly them down. They, you know, they're just on Zoom now. So those are some of the perks of really having a virtual learning uh, module um, no commute, etc. But I do also feel in India, forget what I'm experiencing. I think you know there is a digital divide. Uh, it is, it is, you know, it is, uh, you know, there is a. It's only a small percentage that is getting access to online education. There is uninterrupted power supply, no, no internet, and affordability to buy devices. Those are the realities for a lot of the children, you know, today. And that is something that you know worries me. Uh, uh, how how do they do? They've lost two years of their school life, and it's just heartbreaking for me because school is a place to, you know, that is more than just sitting and looking at a screen. Screen time is hard. You know, you spend two hours in front of a screen, and you can start feeling getting a headache. How do you spend like eight hours? So I think it's a good thing that there is technology that enables online learning. But I would like, at least for my school children, and even for us, my not so young children in my ILSS program to be able to go back to a classroom. There are some benefits to, you know, to being together in a learning space. So I think a hybrid may be the way to go, uh, but India is far away from being totally online. We're not there yet in terms of our infrastructure and, and you know, and it impacts the poorest. So, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's the sad part. Yeah, that's true. I think yeah, we still have a long way to go, but I think things are sort of still moving towards a bit of online. Like you said, you did a blended. This is a time that people innovated and, you know, you might not have thought about doing anything blending two years back, but now it works out so perfectly for you. Yes, it has. I think every crisis has an opportunity and this was our opportunity to try it out. Uh, and also my alumni, I mean, the people who are waiting for the program, they also said, okay, let's start learning now we are waiting to get into a classroom let's start the process and we really enjoyed ourselves through the learning and of course they also came in april just before the second wave we did bring them down for a few days and that was also fun so we'll never take away the residential aspect of this leadership program because immersion how do you go into the field and see you know uh, there is some value to all that but there's great value to all that but uh, for now we are virtual we're virtual because we're expecting a third wave so you know i don't see us meeting for some time oh as a role model as a thought leader and as a leader within the development or i will say international development sector that's what you're covering in what sort of uh, skills or a message we'd like to one give it to people who maybe are making a move in the mid-level of the career or people who just want to enter you know what sort of things one attributes you like to see in them or maybe some of the skill sets which you could talk about sure uh so skill sets i think uh i just feel like a learnability mindset you know if you have and i have my best students nishan uh 
because I have dealt with students from 20s to 60s, right? Uh, some of my best students are in their 40s, 50s, 60s because they are really coming to learn. When you're 23, you're doing it for a job or something, so you're going through it. But this real hunger to learn and understand, and my best students are older. Uh, I had a gentleman who was 64 years old, high, high energy, high learnability. He heads a wonderful nonprofit doing fa fantastic work in Bangalore. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, listening in India, I think we don't emphasize how important it is to be an active listener, especially in the development sector. We want to discourage this rescue complex. A lot of very successful corporate leaders come saying, I am now going to come and save you. You don't need that kind of complex. You know, you need to, you need to understand the context you're coming into. You need to listen. You need to have the humility to understand the area you're entering. So I think we encourage active listening, curiosity, asking questions. It's okay to ask questions. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, just to not being very rigid in your mindset, uh, you know, uh, certainly no ego. So humility is a big one. Uh, some of the things we routinely tell ourselves, Nishant, in our in ILSS is one of the quotes we stock is this famous Margaret Mead quote, which says, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Uh, especially when you're doing something that's ahead of time and not yet an express need, this becomes so important. You know, you can make a difference. Uh, also, the other thing that, you know, there's a story of a boy and a starfish in the beach. I don't know if you've heard the story, but I talk about it all the time. There are millions of starfish that have been, you know, come on to shore. And this boy is throwing one starfish after another back into the ocean because if he leaves them, they'll die. And a man tells him, but there are millions. What difference are you? How are you going to solve for all these millions of starfish? And he says, he throws one back into the ocean and he says, well, I made a difference to that one. And I think that's a very powerful story. And the last one we talk about, which is in our fundraising program, but even in life is, if you don't ask, the answer is no. And so you must always ask. Ask for help, ask for funding, ask for support. If you don't ask, the answer is no. So that's these are our three mantras that we use a lot at ILSS that I wanted to share with you. Thanks. Uh, no, I really appreciate, you know, you took a lot of time. You spoke in depth about not only your work and how the international mindset or the domestic mindset, specifically in the social sector, is evolving. Now, we come to the last question. It's always the aha question uh, uh, from the middle road. Uh, do share any aha moment, anything which sort of brings a smile to you back. I think there are so many moments in your life, I'm sure. But what sort of brings uh, is the most important which you feel? Anything you want to share? I think for us, the aha moments uh, at ILSS are really just the people we meet in the social sector. I mean, I'll talk about Anshu Gupta of Gooch. Every time I meet him, he inspires me. This is a deeply inspiring man. And so for all of us, the aha moments are really the leaders who actually don't make mainstream. I mean, Gooch still makes mainstream news. But they don't make mainstream news. They're not celebrated as the corporate leaders are. But they are doing so much work for our society, our community, the most marginalized, for our nation. And so for us, it's I have 
routinely cry when I'm sitting in my own class at ILSS because I'm seeing these people and what is their cause that they are serving for. Uh, and, you know, not even acknowledged sometimes. Funding is hard. But just making such a powerful difference in the lives of, uh, you know, people that are totally unsupported, uh, in the, you know, left behind. So I think we have many aha through uh, the discovery. For us, it's literally discovering another leader and another organization that is doing fantastic work. And I'm always dying to go onto a mountaintop and talk about them. And guys, see these guys, they are doing this work and it's so inspiring. So many, many aha moments. I think the social sector, everyone should be engaged. It's not, if not as a career shift, listen, you need to work, you need to make your, you, know, you need to be economically, but then give volunteer, volunteer your time, counsel or mentor NGO leader. You have skill sets, see how you can leverage it. We are happy to support people who want to, just give their time. Give me two hours of your strategic thought process and we can use it for something. So everyone should be involved with, of course, giving, but also giving of your time, you know, giving of your experiences, expertise, anything. So uh, I think aha moments are really, social sector is the best place to be. And you think those giving more time, people are giving more time now as compared to, you think that there's been a shift? Or, or, I mean, we certainly encourage it. Nishant, when we started ILSS, we didn't know where these leaders were. We thought there might be some people wanting to move into the social sector. We didn't know them. It was, they were just in our head, that home game. Like we felt about moving, there must be others. You know, story you know, now we are close to two fifty people. I mean, it's a lot of people that are we joke that, you know, two hundred people with twenty years of work experience, we're bringing sort of four thousand years of experience into the sector. You know. Yeah. मोटिवेटेड mindset is changing the generation c the millennials they have sort of a different uh, you know same they seen better times than what i mean things have evolved uh, things have got better thanks a lot i really appreciate uh, giving time and you know sharing your thoughts i really appreciate that thank you nishan thank you so much i really enjoyed talking to you all the very best <laughs>